You're a piece of scumbag liberal horseshit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Everybody, welcome to the show, episode 669 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host for this hour or so, joined by the other host of the program, the lovely, talented, scholarly Brittany Page, everybody. Well, we have two living, living beings in this room who are in recovery from in recovery from physical pain or illness yeah my, i'm not one of them my back is fucked popeye tried to murder me in the kitchen well that's that's kind of an exaggeration no it's a little seems, hyperbolic seems pretty on point if you're asking my back oh okay let, let me explain what happened and yes. then we'll explain maybe why he tried to murder me in the kitchen yeah it was revenge or should we start let's start with what happened to me because i'm obviously the most important character here. <laughs> so I'm washing my hands in the kitchen. Very as, good. As one often does during these times. Yes. And it's I, a new habit for you. I turn around with like surgeon hands up in the air, washed, <laughs> ready to be dried. Right. I turn around and trip over our foot and a half tall, 52 pound muscle dog, bulldog, Popeye. <laughs> Yeah. And I trip, but beca- I can't put my ha- I well, I can, and I did, put my hands down to brace myself against our granite countertops and slid, because it's slick, with my wet hands and couldn't, couldn't stop myself. And my, I strained my back like a, like a weakling. Yeah, I, it was scary, certainly, for you. And well, I didn't know how bad my back was until the next day, of course. Yeah, uh, and Ugh. several days later, apparently, because this was days ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the day after Popeye thought that we tried to murder him. Yes. So <laughs> there's the these videos that I've been seeing where people are wrapping their heads in saran wrap and putting peanut butter on their heads. And, well, and ex- yeah, explain why they're doing that. No, that's just what they're doing. It's the new it's a new fad. All the kids are doing it. It's It's like Tide Pods. All the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> They're, they're doing it to entice their dogs to lick the peanut butter while they surreptitiously cut the toenails. Clip their nails, yeah. Yeah, um, the toenails, the claws, whatever, um, in order to... Because that's all closed, right? Pet grooming shops yeah. are closed, and so... So, so pet owners are having to figure out how are we going to get the job done? And peanut butter is apparently the answer. And I thought to myself while I'm watching these videos, <laughs> we've never given Popeye peanut butter. And we've also never c- clipped his nails ourselves because he'll try to chew your face off. Yeah, he doesn't like that. So we pawn <laughs> it off onto someone else. And we thought, let's give him some peanut butter as a little treat. 
right? We weren't yeah. going to try to clip his nails. We just wanted to give him a little tasty treat. And so we did. He loved it. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. He was having the best time. He lost his fucking mind about the peanut butter. We were loving it. He was loving it. Everyone was happy. And then I was awake <laughs> all night long with an allergic freak show. Well, even before that, though, 10 minutes after we gave him the peanut butter, he's mm. vomiting. That's right. He puked. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my, this isn't a good sign. But let me let me let me let me take up for Popeye real quick. It, it, it kind of is amazing to me that he doesn't just yak where he's standing. He like he's frantic to find a spot. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I'm going to fucking puke here. Folks. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's looking for an ideal so he like ran to the door and right. just puked by the front door. Yeah. Which is easily cleanable. Yeah, he couldn't get outside, so he did the next best thing, which is very considerate very for a considerate. dog. Very mm-hmm. considerate. But so then he tried to murder me because we Well, it was sad because he was. He was up all night scratching, Ugh. itching his ears against the wall. Like it was a miserable time for him. He didn't sleep all night, which is crazy for a dog that sleeps like eighteen hours a day. <laughs> and it was terrible. So I I feel so stupid for just assuming like, oh, yeah, dogs love peanut butter. Let's give him a giant spoonful of peanut butter without well, like testing it a little bit to it, make sure it would have been OK. You mean like like carpet cleaner, like find an inconspicuous spot. Exactly. To test on. Yes, exactly. Th- th- we didn't give him a giant spoonful either. Well, maybe we gave him two medium sized spoonfuls, which each e- equals one giant. I mean, yeah, you're right. It was it was uh, it was probably too much. So yeah. Well, it was obviously too much. <laughs> it was yes. So anyway, he's fine. He did get his revenge and now you've learned your lesson, I yeah, hope. Yeah, yeah. To never do that to him again. Yeah. Mhm. I've learned I hope you know better now, sir. My lesson. <laughs> anyway, goddamn. What a fucking time to be alive, everybody. Good time. <laughs> it's a weird time. Hope this email finds you well. <laughs> Uh, let's just get right into this. We've got a few. Here's what we're going to do. We've been taking a lot of calls about the Joe Biden thing. Yes. And rather than intersperse them throughout different shows, next episode, we're just going to have the Joe Biden hour where we play in its entirety. So if you haven't heard it yet, wait until next episode, which will be immediately following this. Uh, we're going to play his... Denial, his interview with Mika Brzezinski, not Rika, like he kept calling her. He called her Rika? Multiple times he called her Rika. Oh. Again, not everything's not great. Anyway, we got a bunch of calls. We got a bunch of fucking calls. We're going to play all those. We're going to talk about his denial. I keep wanting to call it his apology. Like, that's what the word that comes to mind. Hmm. It wasn't an apology. It was, it was a, a denial. denial. Yeah. And there's some new evidence that has come out. There's some new... Uh, some would say evidence against it happening. Anyway, there's all kinds of developments we're going to talk about. We're going to play the calls. We're going to play the denial, and that'll be next episode. But first, let's get to some calls that are not Joe Biden related. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is April from Cleveland, and I am calling about episode 667. Um it's funny because you, as you ended the show, you were talking about how if we had Hillary Clinton, it, this whole mess would have been something different and it would have been handled differently and everything else. And if I clarify my position, I am a 50-year-old woman who has a 27-year-old son who is 
always been a big Bernie supporter or maybe just a big progressive in general, as I have been as well, but has convinced me along the way to quit bowing down to the Democratic um, royalty who tells us either take this turd that we're going to give you or too bad. And um, his idea, I'm trying to make this quick, his idea is if four more years of Trump makes everybody wake up, and say, we don't have a choice anymore, we need a new choice, let's start something new, versus if we get Joe Biden, and it's actually very likely another 12 years of neoliberal um, democratic rule, ugh, how do we, how do we resolve this? How does this, how does this make any sense? Um, so that was my first thought. My other thought is, both my parents are alive, they're in their 70s, and they kind of like Joe Biden and feel like it might be at least reasonable to um, take your take your path through the Democratic Party and make them change their mind versus having this lunatic in office and, um, you know, let him take over everything where either, there's no choice whatsoever. So I guess my question is, what do both of you think about that? I'd like to hear your thoughts about cooperating with the Democratic neoliberal establishment, which it does seem to me you guys are not on board with all that much, and um, and then how we move forward if we do cooperate uh, in the way that they want us to go. So, again, I'm April from Cleveland. I love you guys. Brittany's the best part. Hope to hear your answer on the next podcast. Love you both, and thank you for everything you do. I look for you every week. And wait for your next podcast. It's almost like I need some friends, and there you are. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> love the show. Brittany's the best part. Very, very I, funny. I love that. Thank you, April. So here's I don't I, I take issue with the 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 use of the word cooperate with. I think that's the word she used. Hmm. And I don't look at this as cooperation. First of all, I'm going to say flatly, and I've said it before, absolutely, you should be voting for Joe Biden if he's the if he's the Democratic nominee. If there's two choices on the ticket, on the ballot this year, and it is Joe Biden and Donald Trump, or whoever, donkey dick fucking liberal Democrat on the, whoever it is against Donald Trump, you need to vote for that Democrat. And this is why I say, it's not about cooperating, it's not about anything other than this. She mentioned 12 years of neoliberal democratic control that we might have if, if, if Joe Biden gets back into office, or gets into office. If Donald Trump gets into office, we're going to lose two more Supreme Court justices on the bench. We are absolutely going to lose Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, and Donald Trump is going to point, appoint two more Brett Kavanaugh's to the bench. Abortion in 40% of the, of America will be illegal if that happens. So you're a 50 year old woman. Unlikely you're going to need that kind of health care service. So that doesn't affect you, but it should concern you what kind of an America that we're going to be leaving for our children and our grandchildren that they might not be able to seek those types of medical interventions that they absolutely need. Gay rights will be fundamentally rolled back across the country. Trans rights, which is the latest, most important civil rights movement 
that we face will be damaged inextricably for a generation if Donald Trump is reelected. I think I think April agrees with you. Yeah. But just, oh, okay. she does agree with all of that, I'm sure. But she's saying that her son has convinced her not to vote for, to not even participate is the way I took oh, it. Oh, I see. So, yeah, I and that's kind of my hang up is for people who are saying, I'm not going to vote because I'm not going to let the Democratic Party continue to do this. Like, I don't understand how people think that translates into teaching them a lesson. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so because Donald Trump gets reelected, the Democratic Party is really going to sit down and go, oh, huh, they're finally on to us. It's time to really evaluate the way that we're doing things over here. They really told us with this reelection of Donald Trump thing. It's, yeah. it's time to listen. I don't know if that is what teaches the lesson. Right. Yeah, I don't think so at all. So. So we're going to we're going to we're going to cut our arm off because of the. The broken finger that we have, Joe Biden being the broken finger, you know, we're going to fuck ourselves over. Insane. But I understand the frustration. And ever since ever, ever since I started voting, I have not been registered as a Democrat. I've been registered as no party preference. And even now. Even now, I'm, I'm no party preference. And I, <laughs> I, I don't just automatically defend things because they they come from the left right yeah right and i think we're kind of running into some issues related to that in terms of the audience of the show right kind of tuning in and expecting that because we are liberals that they're automatically going to be served up defense of liberals and i'm not saying everyone but i'm I'm saying based on some feedback that we've been getting yeah, there's that certainly... people are upset yeah. that we're not doing that and i i just kind of want to briefly talk about the show is I Doubt It with Dollamore, and it was started as an atheist skeptic podcast, which we quickly pivoted away from because we realized how narrow and also uninteresting that can be after a while, right? Yes. I mean, in the beginning, it was very fresh for both of us in terms of leaving religion, finding prominent atheist thinkers that provided influential ideals that we found important. And I mean, we still hold those positions, right? We are still not believers, but it's not the focus of our life, right? The but skep skepticism, is skepticism is though. For sure. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's the part of the beginning of the show that's still relevant is we're not automatically going to defend someone just because they're a liberal, just because they're on the team, Right. Absolutely not. And I don't want people to expect that of us. And if you are expecting that, you're going to be very disappointed. It's going to be a bummer. <laughs> and I've seen I've seen people be disappointed recently because we aren't doing that. So I just want to give a little alert, a little yeah. warning for people uh, to not come here and expect that. Well, the other thing, the other thing, especially re related to this topic here about the what do we do? I mean, we've got two shitty candidates. And I'm not going to vote for the lesser of two evils because you're still voting for evil. They're painting it in this very simplistic way when these are horrifically complex questions that we're asking and that we're seeking answers for. It's not as easy as, well, I just won't vote because you're leaving millions, if not tens of millions of people in your wake of that decision. There will be 
real world, real life ramifications for allowing Donald Trump to have another term in office. And it's not this pie in the sky kind of larger conceptual conceptual thing that I'm talking about. Certainly not a conceptual thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. It's kids who are being stripped away from their parents at the border who are seeking asylum. It's women who have, for since 1973, been able to legally go and seek an abortion. It is constant attacks on food stamps. Yeah, it's the poor. It's the marginalized. Mm -hmm. It's gay. It's trans. There's fucking people's lives that, and this matters. And Joe Biden, as shitty as he is, and be sure he's not great. Those people's lives will not be inexorably damaged under a Joe Biden presidency. They just fucking won't. And so I think it's important to, yes, do the unfortunate thing and vote for Joe Biden, but also dedicate your time to electing progressives, right? Down ballot progressives. Right. Um, And focusing on that is very, very important. And also the progressive movement is only growing and getting more popular. And um, there's going to be pressure on Joe Biden to incorporate progressives into his administration. And that's that's a good thing, right? I mean, it's not as much forward movement as people want. I'm I'm with you on that 100%, Kathy. (laughs) The the inside joke, right? Just so April knows I'm not calling April Kathy. Um, So I'm I'm, Well, you haven't done it in a while. Yes. (laughs) I'm I'm with you on that. But how much are you with her, though? So, 100%. Oh. 100%. 100%. I, I lost... Did I, did I lose you? Yeah, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off great. Anyway, yeah. April, thank you for the call. Listen, we can all disagree about issues. I like when we disagree about things. I think people get uncomfortable with it, but it... It's important to disagree. It is how that we we resolve tough questions and, and issues that really are important. And, and this is how we... If we're all sitting around jerking each other off, oh, we're fucking so great and we're so liberal and this is awesome, it doesn't get us anywhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, you get jerked off, but anyway. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, there's been a lot of talk about uh, reopening and the manner with which we do it in the different states and what their calibrations and what metrics they're using. And we got a several calls uh, about that as well. So let's, uh, let's switch gears. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jamie from Washington. And just listening to episode 667 regarding, uh, you know, what the different states are doing as far as a reopen plan. Um, and I, while I don't agree <laughs> with Atlanta opening the uh, theaters and restaurants and things so soon, I do think that based on the cases and from state to state, I think that's what the governors are using to, to set these reopen guidelines. And I think what people aren't taking into consideration um, is that these reopen plans are not just, okay, we're open and everything goes back to usual. The, the states, at least the state of Idaho, and I, I work for a hotel in the state of Idaho, we have to submit our reopen plans to the um, 
the health department in our state as to how, how we are creating more social distancing, um, what sanitation procedures we have in place. And we're not allowed to reopen until it's approved by our health department, which this includes things like, you know, you know, leaving seats open, um, not seating to capacity, buying extra, um, you know, we're doing those, buying those UV, UV ray, um, or those UV wands, um, to go through and, and kill, um, you know, bacteria, viruses, also foggers, um, the, um, hand sanitizer stations. Like we have a 21 page plan that we had to submit to the health department just to open the hotel. Now the hotel is opening on May 1st for us, but that's just the hotel, um, and room service and our lobby cafe. Like no, none of our restaurants or lounges are open for in, in room or in dine, in restaurant dining or to sit in the lounge. Uh, but we still have to provide food service. Um, but, you know, I, I think the big, big thing I wanted to take everyone to take away from this is that these reopen plans are not just reopen. I would imagine and hope that from state to state, like in Idaho, that they're requiring these businesses to submit their plans for certain dates of, okay, we're going to only seat to 20% capacity. Now we're going to seat to 30% capacity. And these are all the things we're doing to keep people safe. So that's all I have for now. Um, love you both. Um, Talk to you soon. So this is this is another tricky thing, and it's something I've given a lot of thought about, a lot of I've given thought to. Is we, listen, we're absolutely at some point going to have to open. We can we can debate whether the May first is too early, which is yesterday. We can debate those issues, but it has to be done responsibly with a plan in place. And it sounds like Jamie's. The, the organization she works for is doing that. And that's, that's a good thing. The other element to this is enforcement of what the rules are. And you got states like Georgia where they allowed hair, hair salons and shit, barbers to open. And there was a, a requirement for masks. And then some of them just didn't fucking follow the rules and nothing's going to be done. Right. Because Brian Kemp is a fucking dildo and doesn't care. He was, he lied and said, Oh, we just found out that you could transfer the virus and be asymptomatic at the same time. We didn't know that, even though that information had been out for months. So it depends upon the state that you're in and how they're going to follow through with reopening and then how responsive that particular state and the, the governing organizations underneath the governor, how they're going to react when a spike in cases happens. As a result of opening too early, if that does happen, you know? Yeah, well, I think I think Jamie brings up a good point, and it's something we for sure didn't address, right? The different um, plans that are going to be in place and how things aren't going to be allowed to just go back to normal right away. That social distancing is still going to be a thing, and masks are still going to be a thing, yeah. right? All, all of these things. Maybe for a while. Right. And I, I share your concern, too. Be a perfect example of this is the beaches here in Orange County, uh. right? And the the guideline was you can't go to the beaches and just lay out and sunbathe. You can use them for exercise, right? If you're running on the beach, if you're surfing, if you're doing some sort of active activity, then yeah, do your beach time. But then... It's not going to barbecue and hang out with a bunch of pals. Right, because you're not supposed to be gathering. And that is exactly <laughs> what tens of thousands, I mean, between Newport Beach and Huntington Beach, which are bordering cities here that we live in, right? 
There were 80 to 100,000 people who went to the beaches last weekend. That is right. and fucking bananas. It, and it speaks to your issue of enforcement, right? So what is someone supposed to do? What are what what are the lifeguards supposed to do? What are the cops supposed to do when there's 40,000 people at the beach? Yeah. What do you call out the National Guard? I mean, what do you do? Yeah, and you're like, okay, wait, you're not walking enough. You're, you guys are gathered. You need to go. Right. Are you here to walk? Are you here to surf? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so the I, easiest policy prescription is just shut it the fuck down. And so now that's being pro, uh, protested, yeah, and yeah. there's thousands of people still standing in front of the beach, demanding their beach time. Wearing their Don't Tread on Me t-shirts, because they can't go to the beach. Yeah. So, real, real patriots. Real patriots. <laughs> so, it, it's so it's so complicated, right? Because, yes... The businesses are going to reopen. Yes, there's likely going to be plans that mandate changes to to support safety and the precautions that have now been mandated. But you have to wonder how it's going to be enforced if people aren't doing those things, yeah. you know. Um, but it's just it's tough. Yeah. See, no, that's that's an element that we haven't we need to be talking about more. People need to be taken into consideration more that it's not as easy. Obviously, we don't want it to just like, well, on April 30th, we're fucking on lockdown. And then May 1st, automatically, we're just back to the way it was. Mm -hmm. That's not feasible. And it is complex and it is going to be hard. There are going to be bumps in the road. And we have human leaders solving human problems with human brains and there's fallibility in that. So we have to allow for the tough questions and the tough answers that lead. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you for the call, Jamie. We appreciate it very much. Same topic, different state. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Connor from Colorado. I uh, just wanted to talk about the reopening of the state and all that stuff. Um, the governor has outlined the plan for a safer at home approach where it's a little bit more lax, but people are still encouraged to stay home. Um, I believe that's supposed to start on like May 1st or something like that, but a lot of the counties, like the Tri-County area of Arapahoe, Adams, and Douglas, and Jefferson County, which is my county that I live in, and Denver County have all extended theirs another week or two, at least, the stay-at-home orders. So whatever the governor's doing to open the state, different counties are saying, no, we're not quite ready yet. So, you know, I'm kind of on the same page with wanting to stay closed as long as we need to to fight this pandemic because I have an immunocompromised husband and, I work in retail in Colorado's biggest grocery chain, uh, chain, which is owned by Kroger. So they've taken a lot of steps to improve things, but, you know, the best thing to do is stay at home and wash your hands frequently and, you know, keep the state closed. I see my county is one of the highest counties in Colorado with cases. And we have all kinds of open space, so people are going out to our cities, uh, like Evergreen and other places like that, and, you know, spreading it that way because they're not staying six feet apart. So, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Have a good one. Love the show. 
Brittany's the best part. I, I love being able to get the different perspectives, right, from the different states. And a similar things happening in California where there was a county that decided to go ahead and reopen because they have no cases. They, they have and have had no cases. Right. By the way, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are defying the governor's orders, but they, it seems to me they are doing what's right for them. It's not, it's not like a political calculation, like, oh, he's a Democrat, fuck him. I don't. That's not the vibe I'm getting. It seems like they're, I don't know how you feel about it, but it seems like they're taking care of biz for their people. Yeah. One, one complication is that like the 40,000 people that were at Newport Beach last weekend, those people are not all residents of Newport Beach. That's right. Yeah. They live in Long Beach. They live in Anaheim. They live in Fullerton, Placentia, wherever it might be. 909. Riverside, yeah, right, yeah. wherever, and they go to Newport Beach and they have a good time gathering with their friends and sharing the COVID, and then they <laughs> they bring it back to their respective yeah. communities, and or they bring it here from their communities, right? And yeah. because they are the type of people that are going to a gathering at the beach when they shouldn't be doing that, they're probably not washing their hands, not paying attention yeah. to social distancing when they're in public, continuing to have friends over in to their homes is just generally not taking this seriously right yeah. and and so that is also concerning about them just like existing out in the community yeah, right for sure and then you're rubbing elbows with people like that i mean not literally but they're in your vicinity and that's how this thing spreads so i don't know i'm i'm just thinking about what connor referred to in, in the state of colorado and how I understand the frustration of different states saying, listen, we are not like New York City, right? We don't need to have the stay-at-home order continue because we're not New York City, right? But just because you aren't New York City and your numbers aren't as high as New York City doesn't mean that you don't still have a problem. Now, if you have no cases, that's different, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, But... Who knows if that county in California, for example, that's going to reopen is going to have like Newport Beach um, beachgoers, right? Yeah, I, that's, I think that's an element that we need to take into consideration. And that is like, what what's that county, th- that particular county borders Oregon? It's one, it's the, one of the northernmost counties in the state. So they, if they don't have the kind of tourist draw that like we have, right. eh, maybe it is okay. But if it's like a Monterey Bay or... You don't want to fucking do that because you're inviting idiots to spread the fucking virus. Right. So, And in Orange County right now, our cases are starting to spike because they're finally starting to do large numbers of tests. And, I mean, we had, I think, like 145 two days ago, and then we had 163 the next day. And I'm starting to really pay attention to these numbers because I'm interested to see after the 40,000 people went to Newport Beach how that's going to influence yeah, the, the, the two, numbers of cases. I think it's been the two previous weekends that the beaches have been flooded, no? Just last weekend, Was it just last I believe, weekend? yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, it's a problem. And again, this is something that we're following and government should be following to to be reacting to with an eye on that two week window of after an an occurrence like 50,000, 60,000, 100,000 total going to beaches. Two weeks later is when you're going to find out whether or not it was a fucking problem. So we need a very responsive government in these cases, not just California, but across the country. Thank you for the call, Connor. We, we appreciate it very much.
Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Nathan in Denver. Uh, well, out of Colorado. Regarding uh, states opening up and, and starting to kind of return to whatever normal will look like after this. Um, so the state of Colorado, Governor Polis, uh, had issued a statement last week to have the, uh, the, the state start slowly reopening, changing it from shelter at home to safer at home. Uh, and that was to take, uh, or excuse me, go in effect, uh, Monday, 28th to 27th. Um, I have a lot of anxiety about this just because I don't feel like it's, uh, I feel like it's too soon. You know, our, our state's, uh, death tolls have not dropped significantly enough for, at least in my opinion, to, to warrant going back to, uh, work, um, and I, the city of Denver reflects that, that we're actually not doing, uh, uh, we're not going with Governor Polis on this. The city of Denver will be um, staying in shelter in place until May 8th. Um, but either way, I, I was out the other day, uh, just went on a drive because I was getting tired of being at home all the time. My wife and I went to a uh, state park, and, I mean, it was just packed. Uh this was on Monday, but the day that the, the state was supposed to be open again, and the, the state park was just packed, and nobody was practicing social distancing. Nobody had masks. Uh, trails weren't closed. Uh, voting was, you know, being allowed, and, and people were having barbecues, and, and this just uh, solidified my concern that it's just too soon, that the, the people that the people that are smart enough will, you know, cautiously go back out into the world, but a lot of people think, okay, well, this is, uh, it's okay to go back outside and, you know, I'm going to start getting caught up on all the things that I wasn't allowed to do while I was sheltered at home. And for me, I just, I worry that, you know, since we didn't see a sharp decline in cases or deaths, uh, that we're going to see a surge, uh, as a result of the shelter in place being changed to safer in place. Anyways, that's just my two cents. Uh, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I love sometimes when people say it and they're like dejected. Like they feel like demoralized and debased, you know? <laughs> well, it's become just compulsory. It's just that you have to say it. Well, I just want to let I don't Nathan- think anybody believes that. They just say it. Really. I agree. I, I want to let Nathan know that he still has agency, right? You can You can choose not to say it if you'd like. Um, but Nathan brings up a fantastic point. Oh, wow. I need like a ding, ding, ding. And I'm pissed. Winner. I'm pissed we haven't talked about this earlier because, yes, people, that's kind of what's happening, right? With like the beaches. People feel like, oh, okay, because these steps are being taken, everything's fine. Yeah. We can go back out and do this. Get lulled into a sense of security kind of a thing. Right. And so maybe that's an issue with the messaging. Maybe there's not enough information that's coming out and saying like, okay, we're, we're taking these steps, but that doesn't mean that we go back to normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can't just go to the park and act like everything's fine. Like we still have to be in this weird state where we're in public and not making eye contact with people and <laughs> uh, scurrying away as soon as they breathe in our general direction. Yeah, yeah. Right. That that's kind of going to be the way life is for a while, unfortunately. It, it uh, There's another element to this that, that I'm glad he brought up. And that is the fact that it sounds like there's good leadership in Colorado from the governor, because in states like Florida and Georgia, 
with Ron DeSantis and Brian Kemp, they've disallowed counties from making any more stringent rules than the state has set. Hmm. So like Denver, they're saying, yeah, well, we're not going to open up yet. We're still going to go for another week or two. Right. That would not be allowed in Georgia or Florida mm-hmm. because their governors are fucking ding-dongs mm-hmm. who aren't thinking of... They're think they're they're looking at the state as a monolith and not that there are specific um needs that every single area has a unique perspective on this because of their population or the tourist attraction or whatever the fuck is going on. Right. And that's an element that sounds like is being taken care of there in Colorado. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Nathan, thank you for the call. Connor, Jamie, April. Oh, we've got one more call. We've got one more call. Ah, I almost missed it. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is uh, Mark, formerly of Tennessee, now of Oregon. It's been a while since I've called into the show. But uh, I want to start off saying that uh, awesome job. Glad you guys are okay. Jesse, I look forward to all your videos on YouTube on a semi-regular basis. And uh, just to have one thing, the one thing that I do admire about you guys is that you're willing to say, the three words that a lot of people these days have trouble saying, which is, well, it's four technically because one's a contraction, but I don't know. Uh, I've always appreciated that about, you know, you guys and other people that I do listen to. Uh, when you don't know something, you just don't know. Uh, and uh, you either defer to the experts in their field or uh, research the fact uh, yourself. And I think that's what people, a lot of people fail to do, uh, these days. And I've pretty much to the point that I'm tired of the bipartisan ship. I didn't know you can make a disease fucking political. But anyways, and, uh, again, have you guys been watching the Lincoln Project videos? They're really fascinating. I mean, you don't have to watch the Cooper Union live stream, but that was interesting too. But uh I think it's rather fascinating uh the way it's going. These are short and <laughs> they say quite a bit. All right, you guys, take it easy. Hope you're enjoying California and talk to you later. Bye. Well, thank you very much for that call and that compliment. Yeah. Um, we love Love compliments. We, we, we very much enjoy compliments. I know, I know most people don't like them and it's kind of a unique quality that we have, but yeah. we tend to enjoy them. We, we enjoy them in a unique way that other people don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but seriously, we, listen, we could certainly be better about it. Right. When we don't know things, I think everybody can. It's something that we try to practice. It can feel uncomfortable, but. It, it also feels good sometimes, right? To kind of just step back and listen and to know that you don't know. Yeah. And that's okay. It is freeing. Yeah. And like you'll get it figured out or you maybe you won't. You'll never know. And that's okay too, <laughs> right? Um, but we do try to do that. And I'm, I'm glad that you notice. And we do try to defer to experts and even people who aren't experts, right? That just have more information than us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we, we try to practice that. We appreciate you saying that and keep continuing to keep us in check because that's what we need. For sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and, uh, about the, the Lincoln Project, the Lincoln Project, for those of you who don't know, is it, it, there, it's a group that's putting out videos, anti-Trump videos 
from a group of Republicans, Rick Wilson being one of them. And they're dropping these ads that are going on YouTube and Twitter and at Facebook that are pretty devastating against Donald Trump. And it's nice for me. I like it because it's it gives me hope that we can get back to a time when we can have earnest disagreements about policy like it used to be mm-hmm. that, that maybe there will be a time in the future where the party of Trump dies and it goes back to kind of a normal earnest conversations about policy. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that that'll ever really be the case, but it I have hope for that. Well, and one thing I want to say on that is a lot of the conversations that we have on the show are about controversial issues, right? We're talking about things that maybe people avoid talking about in certain social situations because they can become problematic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's part of why we try to leave space for we don't know, right? And the the Tara Reid allegations that we talked about on the previous episode are a perfect illustration of this, right? I specifically went out of my way to say, now we're looking at this in terms of which way do we lean, right? Do you lean toward, okay, this is probably someone who's telling the truth based on the available evidence, or do you lean toward this as someone who is is lying and fabricating this allegation? The key there is based on the available evidence, which isn't going to remain the same, you... You need to be open to change your mind right. if given new evidence. And that's why we also talked about leaning, right? Yes. Despite us qualifying our position on that issue, right? Leaving room for change, yeah. leaving room for disagreement. Many people responded in such a way that accused us of being certain of our positions, right? You <laughs> got accused of calling Joe Biden a rapist, right? I, well... As of right now, given the information that I have, if I believe he did it, then I have to believe he's a rapist. But but if given new information that comes to light, I might not hold that position. But but even what you just said is different than calling someone a rapist, right? You, I mean, you qualified it with several yeah, statements there, sure, right? Sure, based yeah. on the information, yes. based on what you know now, that's that's what your position is, and so. I, I see a difference there. I don't know. Maybe other people don't. There seems to be a difference there for me. And I think when we're having this conversation, because it's so emotionally charged, people start hearing something other than what we're saying. What is actually said. And listen, with our platform, we feel a serious responsibility to be responsible with the things that we say, um, knowing that people take the information that we say and use it to inform their worldview. So that's like a tremendous responsibility that we feel to be like reasonable, rational people. And it can be hard because oftentimes we're not reasonable, rational people. And so we need to keep that in check. You know, it's something that you're always working on. So thank you for recognizing that we try and we appreciate the audience members who, who keep us in check, but do it in a, non-dick face way i think is also the key <laughs> we love the non-dick face manner yeah. with which you communicate yes, Mark. Yes, thank yes. you very much so listen before we move on to the mid-roll I, last time on the show i i i or maybe it was the show before i, I said something about Don, the next medical advice you know donald trump he's asking us we should look into injecting disinfectants into ourselves mm-hmm. and i said well the next kind of medical advice he's going to be looking for is having ribs removed so he could suck his own dick mm. and then it, it was brought to our attention that that actually was a joke that Brittany told <laughs> way back on episode 138 
And actually, it was about Donald Trump as well. S in his own D. So I went back and I looked. Yes, that's right. And I went back and I looked and I found the moment that it was talked about. And I I want to play it. Is that what he's worth? That's what he said in his campaign opening in his announcement. He was talking about his net worth being almost $9,000 million. $9,000 million. And he cannot stop talking about I went to the finest school. I got the best grades. I had the hubba. I a tremendous fortune. Everybody loves me. The Mexicans love me. The Chinese love me. I'm, I'm loved by everybody. Well, it seems like he can afford to have a rib removed. And oh. then he would be able to really appreciate getting, himself. Getting inside Brittany Page with the rib removed joke. Okay, so anyway. So Brittany's talking about... No. Brittany, in a sideways way, is saying that Donald Trump has enough money to have a rib or two removed from his body surgically so he would be able to have the ability to suck his own penis because he can bend over and be far more flexible after the removal of a rib or two. Mm, I don't know if that's what I was saying, but (laughs) I would appreciate, though, having some of his self-esteem. Yeah. Well, I love our different approaches to the joke and um, (laughs) also that apparently this is something that is on both of our minds. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say that, but I will say I will say that I I'm I'm a lot more comfortable actually saying the phrase sucking his own dick. You are when before. Yeah, I use the anatomically (laughs) correct term of penis. I noticed that. Oh, what a fucking weakling I am. So that was 138? <laughs> yeah, episode 138. It's interesting to listen to ourselves that it, long ago. Like, why? Why? Just that it's different? Where It seems different to me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But yeah, it's it seems it seems different. Yeah. It is, <laughs> it is an odd thing being in this business. You know, a lot of people don't like the sound of their voices. Yeah. I've never, that's never, I've never been, maybe I just love my fucking dumb voice so much or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I've never been one of those that, is that what I sound like? That's never, that's never been a thing for me. Hmm. I'm starting to wonder if I have that. I don't think I have that. I think sometimes I can slip into like a valley girl whiny voice sometimes mm. and I try to stay out of that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know why that tends to happen, but when, when we lived in, growing up, I lived in both Arkansas and Missouri for a time. I went to elementary school in Missouri in the mm-hmm. Ozarks. And uh, we, we would send, we would like tape ourselves, rather than writing letters, we would tape our cassette tape of my little brother and I and mail it to our cousins back in, in, in Boise. That's nice. And then uh, they would send one to us, whatever, back and forth. That's and cute. I remember listening to it. As a young man mm-hmm. and thinking, holy shit, listen to those little hillbillies. Because I had <laughs> I had a crazy southern accent. Really? And I don't remember So you were like Madonna, you were putting it on. Yeah, I don't I don't remember if I was like forcing it or it just became the way we talked. Because we, we lived there for three years or so. Yeah, yeah. When you're small. But I don't have I I mean, I've, I've thought about it. I don't have a memory of like putting it on, I, so I, I don't fucking know. Well, I wonder if it's like vocal mimicking, which I sometimes fall into. I remember when <laughs> I love the story. Please tell the story. I was I was dating someone when I was sixteen, and his dad called my house to talk to my mom, and his dad had like a freakishly deep voice, very very deep, 
And he called and he was like, hello, can I please speak to your mom? And I was like, yes, just a second. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I mimicked his so voice great. and I pulled the phone away. I'm like, oh my God, what did I just do? I did it without even thinking. Yeah. It just came out. Yeah. It was so stupid, but maybe it was one of those. You were just copying the people around you. I don't know. Because you don't talk hey. like that now. All right, Brittany. <laughs> Moving on, everybody. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have new Patreon supporters. It just felt like we had an earthquake. Popeye's shaking around like a freak. Oh, okay. So new Patreon supporters to thank. Kim. Kim. Nathan. Nathan. Sherry. Sherry. Robert. Robert. Wayne. Wayne. David. David. Steven. Steven. Paul. Paul. Lisa. Lisa. And Bo. Bo. And then we also want to give a very hearty shout out. A hearty one. To Henry. Henry. Who upped his pledge. Yes. Very beautiful. We very love, kind. We loves us some Henry from Austin. Long time friend of the show. Yes. Fucking fantastic. Absolutely. Very good human. Very beautiful yeah, human. One of the most decent, for sure. We also want to give a shout out to Kim, a new Patreon supporter, which... Um, we we just named but also we got a message from as a veteran of the australian defense force jesse brings the no bs attitude which is universal to servicemen around the world which is sorely missed in civilian life the balance of britney with the calming rationale is a brilliant combination combination they, they probably wrote it correctly you just fumbled it right yeah, yeah i like stopped <laughs> breathing for a long time love you guys thank you to Kim. Yeah, Kim. That's that's fantastic. I, 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 I don't know if that's where I get my no-nonsense or however they described it. No BS. No BS, but uh, it's there. However it got there, it's 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 part of the deal. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thanks, you guys. We appreciate you. Uh, keep in mind that the other way that you can support the show is by going on to Apple Podcasts and reviewing the show or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, if they are, if there is a, a manner by which you can review the show, that would be fantastic. The other way is to call in five, six, uh, six, five, seven. God damn. Six, five, seven, four, six, four, 7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Moving on. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Donald Trump a little bit, just very briefly. His style of leadership, the the fact that he's bringing like a a mafia sensibility, a quid pro quo sensibility. Well, that's even better. Certainly, a quid pro quo sensibility to the White House, even when dealing with foreign leaders. No quid pro quo. Quo. <laughs> Should we just end the show here? All right, everybody. Good times. <laughs> He is dealing with governors the same way that he dealt I'm, with. I'm just over here with my hand on my face. A literal face palm yeah, over there on I'm, that side of the room. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to me. Donald Trump is dealing with governors in the same manner that he dealt with, uh, with I almost said Governor Zelensky. Fuck, maybe we should just end the show. <laughs> President Zelensky of Ukraine. 
he's talking about, well, first of all, he's bolstering Republican states like they're doing the best and Dem- uh, Democrats are just terrible. And the reason that there needs to be bailouts for the states and different companies is because of Democrat um, incompetence relative to running their particular states. Here's that. And then the other clip I'm going to play is briefly as him just flat out saying that if we help them, we're going to need something in return, which is a quid pro quo. What's happening is the uh, Democrats have come to us and they'd like to do a phase four. And uh, we'll think about what's happening. They want to help the states. They want to help bailouts. And, you know, bailouts are very tough. And they happen to be Democrat states. It's California. It's New York. It's Illinois. You start with those three. And uh, the Republican states are in strong shape. You know, I don't know. Is that luck or is that talent? Or is it just a different mentality? But the Republican run states are in strong shape. Look, I I looked uh, today uh, when I spoke, I spoke with Ron DeSantis, who was here yesterday, as I said, and Florida is doing incredibly. Texas is doing incredibly. These states are doing unbelievably. They don't know about the word bailout. Uh, We had a call from a governor of South Dakota, and they have one of the finest run states. They have a, I think, a constitutional amendment. They're not allowed to, you know, they have to have a a balanced budget, and they have a balanced, totally balanced budget. They just have a sales tax. It's about the only tax they have is a sales tax. I mean, think of that. So it's a whole different thing. But uh, Republican states are doing very well. Uh, Maybe the Democrats should have brought this up earlier when we wanted certain things. Uh, And they did. And we said, and I said specifically, now let's look at it later on down the road. But they'd like to do something. Uh, They want to do infrastructure. I can understand infrastructure. Think of it. We've spent $8 trillion in the Middle East. And we're not fixing our roads in this country. How stupid. How stupid is it? And we're not fixing our highways, our tunnels, our bridges, our hospitals even, our schools even. It's crazy. But but they want to do things, and, and uh, the Republicans are in a much better position from, you know, I don't want to use the word negotiating position, but we really are. We're in a negotiating position that's different because uh, they want to bail out various states. Illinois is in big trouble. The governor understands that. Pritzker, he understands that. But Illinois is in big trouble. Uh, it- what, what, what must it be like? I mean, think about this. What must it be like that even in a room full of dumb shits, Donald Trump is the dumbest motherfucker in there? (laughs) That the president of the United States in any given room that he is, is the stupidest fucking person in the room. That is the situation we're in as a country. It is remarkable to me that he has a cult following of, of irrational dipshits. Who like to cry foul that they're the silent majority. Bleh. It, it, uh. Anyway, here he is with the quid pro quo. So you just take a look and, and we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it. I think we want to take a little bit of a pause. But if we do that, we'll have to get something for it. Okay. He's talking about a, a phase four. Helping out the states. If we do that. We're going to need to get something for it. 
It's an abdication of his duty as president of the United States, running the executive branch, helping the nation, representing the nation, the people. Preaching to the choir here. Anyway, listen, in the spirit of not just being cheerleaders for Democrats and liberals and people who are opponents of Donald Trump, we have some criticism for Andrew Cuomo. He said some things that, one, weren't directly representative of uh, the things that a Huffington Post article claimed he said. But if you extrapolate what he said, it doesn't take much thinking to get to their thing. That he said that it was disgusting that homeless people were sleeping. What exactly was the headline, Brittany? Do you remember? Yeah, it was from the Huffington Post. And uh, Andrew Cuomo calls homeless on subway cars disgusting and disrespectful. So that's not exactly how it went down, though, was it? No, it wasn't. And this is a really frustrating element of being online because it's exhausting to yeah. to stay up to date. And so a lot of people use shorthand in various ways, right? Either skimming articles, just looking at headlines, relying on people that they trust that share information, right? That is reputable. That's a big one for me. Yeah. Well, I think for a lot of people, right? Because like, I, like, we just talked about it's exhausting to try to keep up with everything and so it's useful to select certain people that you trust that are good at like sussing out what's valid and what's not and go with them right but huffington post seems to do this more often than other news publications yeah 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 so andrew cuomo calls homeless on subway cars disgusting and disrespectful and that's that's not really what he said Well, first, let's do this. Let's play the news package from the CBS affiliate there in New York City talking about the steps they're taking right now related to uh, the subways. A growing concern amid the pandemic, the subways. Their purpose is to get essential workers where they need to go. But conductors tell us the trains are filthier than ever and likely just transmitting disease. CBS 2's Ali Bauman, live at Columbus Circle with her for us tonight. The MTA says only about 5% of its regular ridership is taking the subway during this pandemic, and that's mostly made up of people who work in hospitals, grocery stores, and other essential services. But conductors say the subways are looking more like homeless shelters these days, and social distancing is nearly impossible. No mask. No mask. Cell phone video shows subway cars lined with people passed out, using shoes as pillows with trash piled in shopping carts. There is... An, an astronomical amount of homeless people now in the subway. Jamel Thompson is an MTA train conductor. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority is now the Metropolitan Transmission Authority. They are transporting this virus. The MTA has been urging that only essential workers who rely on mass transit ride the subway during this pandemic, and service has been cut to about 75%. But one conductor who asked to remain anonymous says that's only making the trains less sanitary. Because we have less trains to work with, the homeless in the system congregate on fewer trains, so it's way more evident now than it's ever been. It's causing a hazard to... MTA employees and the people that we have to transport during this time. The MTA says since early March, the entire fleet of subway cars and buses gets disinfected every 72 hours. But its conductors tell us they're not seeing that. 
the trash, the feces, the urine is there. It's just a very toxic, unsafe environment. We'll get a call from somebody on the train. They'll press the passenger intercom, and one of them is urinating in the car. And because we have so, so few trains, we have to ride back and forth. An NYPD spokesperson says officers are patrolling the subways, but without a doubt, disruptive passengers are more visible now and burglaries are up. Wednesday, acting head of the Transit Authority, Sarah Feinberg, said she's urging the city to take more aggressive steps to address the problem. It is, uh, without a doubt, a city obligation and responsibility. It's safe to say um, everyone here is losing patience. That prompted this response from Mayor de Blasio Thursday. I don't understand... Uh, what she's saying, because the NYPD has been out there in force trying to address this issue. If she's losing patience, I don't know why she hasn't called me. And while the officials are finger pointing, more than 50 transit workers have died from COVID-19. I just want them to take us seriously, to take our health seriously. And transit sources tell us the acting president, Sarah Feinberg, has asked repeatedly for a meeting with the mayor. But so far, de Blasio has not obliged. We're live in Columbus Circle, Ali Bauman, CBS2 News. So part of this news package is very striking in the images that they show of the homeless people in the subway cars. And that's because they're showing images of people who are sleeping with their head resting on dirty shoes. Yeah. They're showing pictures of people who have like one leg and they're sleeping and they don't have shoes. Like it, it's, it's, um, disturbing to me and this is something that andrew cuomo should be criticized for right he didn't necessarily directly call like that headline suggests homeless people disgusting and disrespectful yeah but he's talking about the subways being disgusting being disgusting and that it's disrespectful to essential workers for them to be so filthy in these conditions right well and then you have to ask your question uh, you ask the question how why are they disgusting why are they filthy and it's directly related in his mind to the homeless people being on them. So it is. It's You don't have to jog too far to get to him thinking that it's the homeless people who are disgusting. For sure. He's drawing that connection, certainly. Yes. Even in a dog whistle kind of way. Right. And it's, it's disturbing because where are these people supposed to go? Right. Well, and I'm not defending yeah, people yeah. pissing and defecating in the subway cars. Right. I'm, I'm not trying to say, like... <laughs> What are they supposed to do? You know, but it is kind of what are they supposed to do? I mean, where are people supposed to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is what California is doing right, right? R related to Project Room Key, which we talked about on the previous episode. Gavin Newsom working with hotels to get temporary shelter for people that have nowhere to go. And Andrew Cuomo came out. And released a statement about how he's going to shut it down and disinfect and do a deep cleaning, right, to protect essential workers. But where is his plan to deal with the fact that people have nowhere to go and so they're sleeping on subway cars and defecating in the subway cars? Well, for me, you can kind of sum this up. The problem isn't the homeless. That That's a simplistic way of looking at this. For me, the homeless aren't the problem. It's the government inaction. Right. They're not providing 
the necessary services for this population. It's a fucking failure of the government, not a failure of our most vulnerable population. Right. And it's also, so they're saying the NYPD is patrolling the subway cars to ensure that this doesn't happen. That okay. They're, they're out in force yeah, is so, the words they use. Great. So then you're just going to push them all to the streets where they're going to be pissing and defecating in the streets. Yeah. I mean, can you, can you please do your job? And find a solution so that you don't have this problem at all. Yeah. Right? Instead of pushing it to a different environment. Right? Yeah. It, do we want to play the Cuomo clip or do we yeah, want to... we want to play the Cuomo clip. All right. The people who drive the buses, the subways, who clean the buses and the subways. Without those buses and subways, the essential workers couldn't get to work. Why didn't we just close down subways and buses? Because you close down the subways and the buses in New York City. Uh, don't expect the nurses and the doctors to be able to get to the hospital. Don't expect a delivery worker to be able to deliver food when you ring on your telephone. Uh, so we need the, that public transportation to transport the essential workers. Uh, but those frontline workers are at risk. So we're going to do additional testing for the uh, transport workers. I also commented yesterday, uh, the Daily News had pictures of things that are going on in the New York City subway system, uh, where the cars were filthy, they were disgusting, uh, homeless people were there with all their belongings. Uh, and it was not just the Daily News picture. It reflected what has been in the press and what people have been saying which is the deterioration of the conditions in the subways. Crime, some crimes are up in the subways, even though ridership is down 90%. I don't even know how mathematically that is possible. Uh, the trains are filled with homeless people, and you're not doing the homeless any favor. I've worked with the homeless all my life. To let homeless people stay on the trains in the middle of a global health pandemic with no masks, no protective equipment, you're not helping the homeless. Uh, letting them endanger their own life and endanger the lives of others is not helping anyone. So I told the MTA uh, yesterday, in two days, which means tomorrow, I want a full plan. How do we disinfect every train every night? Period. Any essential worker, who shows up and gets on a train should know that that train was disinfected the night before. We want them to show up. We don't want them to stay home. We owe it to them to be able to say, the train you ride, the bus you ride, has been disinfected and is clean. You know what I'm not hearing from Governor Andrew Cuomo? is if they're not going to be allowed, they're not going to be let to do it to be on the trains, then what the fuck are they going to be allowed to do? Are there are there going to be open beds for them to sleep in? Are they going to have shelter? I didn't hear any of that. Mm -hmm. All of the concern is for people who have mobility, economic mobility, actual physical mobility. There's a lot of bending over backwards for plans for them. I didn't hear anything other than no's for the homeless population in New York City, which is sizable. Right. And I mean, great that you said, oh, it's not doing the homeless people any favors and that you highlighted how it's not beneficial to them or useful to them or safe for them to be sleeping in subway cars. 
But where, again, was the solution yeah. to that problem? Pretty easy to identify problems. Your job is to solve problems as governor of the state, Cuomo. And again, if you're going to remove them from the subway cars, which fine, I totally get it. Yes, sanitize the subway cars, please. It's something that should have been happening all along. I'm getting emails from uh, Southwest that they're going to start disinfecting the planes. Yeah, where was this shit all along, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but great, do that. But also, you're just going to be pushing them out into the street and not dealing with the actual problem. So it, it's it's frustrating to listen to, especially because Andrew Cuomo is starting to get kind of a cult-like status where we talked about this last time. People want yeah. him to run for president. People want him to be VP. And not not uh, perfect. He hasn't earned not it Not a perfect yet. guy. He hasn't earned it yet. Doesn't deserve the cult-like status. He's almost asshole of today. The cult-like following. Almost asshole of today. Hmm. And listen, we're going to play next a clip of, of Governor Newsom really doing this professional where I announce that we're going to do it rather than just talking it Ooh. up before the clip. Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ. Anyway... Listen, there's a lot to be said about Governor Newsom that he, you know, he, he, he banged, he had an affair with his campaign manager's wife. I mean, he's not a great guy. He did? Yes. He also, uh, was married to Kimberly Guilfoyle, Donald Trump Jr.'s latest. Well, that's quite the turnaround. Yeah. I mean, goddamn. So he's he seriously got some judgment issues. <laughs> Don't we all? But yeah, for sure. I mean, he's human. We're all, we've all fucked up somehow, but. Uh, he's, you know, he's not doing a terrible job in relation to handling this pandemic and especially where it relates to helping the most vulnerable populations in our state. He has not only done the, the project room key. Right. Now he is enlisting restaurants to make and deliver meals for food insecure seniors. Working with FEMA on ways to provide nutritious meals to our seniors to get them delivered, but also to get them prepared. Uh, we started thinking about building a partnership uh, with our restaurant industry, with kitchens, with our hospitality industry. It's been ravaged uh, by this pandemic. And this has led us to an announcement today, a partnership, not just with FEMA, but now a partnership uh, with cities and counties for a locally driven strategy uh, to get our restaurant workers, our hospitality workers, to prepare and deliver nutritious meals to our seniors and have the capacity to not only deliver and prepare, but to pay for this endeavor. Uh, this partnership will allow for the ability uh, for restaurants to uh, start rehiring people or keep people currently employed and start preparing uh, meals, three meals a day, seven days a week, uh, and have those meals delivered to our seniors all throughout the state of California. Uh, we will provide an unlimited number of meals, uh, no cap in terms of that support, but there is an eligibility cap. For seniors, uh, they uh, must have eligibility in this frame. They must either have been uh, at high risk of exposure uh, to COVID-19, uh, must be in a position where their uh, economics uh, are below 600% of federal poverty, uh, must have already been uh, impacted or exposed directly to COVID-19 or more broadly uh, have compromised immune systems. So there's a category 
uh, in this frame. Uh, but beyond that, now we have the ability to uh, have a locally de driven decision making uh, to start employing workers uh, and get these restaurants reopened and provide hundreds of thousands, if not millions uh, of prepared meals uh, every day delivered uh, to our seniors throughout the state of California. This is exactly what Jose Andres was advocating for on a national level with Feed America Now. Yeah. This is exactly what his plan was, to have the government fund restaurants to pay employees to feed vulnerable populations during this time. Which is an which is an assist for the economy. Right. And also taking care of vulnerable fucking populations. Right. And I'm so happy that not only with the Project Room Key, right, but also with this initiative, that there is care and concern in the state of California for the most vulnerable and actually taking action on these issues. And I know that California is often maligned by conservatives and Republicans for the spending that happens in sure. the state. Yeah. And I mean, on a whole plethora of issues, but a lot of it has to do with the spending. And this is where I want the government to be spending money. Yeah. This is where I want that to be happening. Well, listen, it is, there is a certain bravery involved, political bravery I'm talking about here, for expending, flexing political muscle, we'll say, flexing political muscle to help a population that's not, you're not going to cash in on at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. The homeless isn't a voting block that is organizing and and really getting out there. They're desperate. They need help. Mm -hmm. Where middle class people, business people, restaurants, they have their own associations that lobby and they get out there. Those are the people that flexing pol political muscle pays off. Mm -hmm. It's not homeless people. So it, there is a political bravery uh, in this with, with Gavin Newsom. And I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to end it there. We would love to hear from you about these and other topics. 657-464-7609. You can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. In fact, why don't you just put that in your phone as one of your contacts? I Doubt It Podcast. The phone number, the email address, always at your fingertips when something goes down to, to call. Regale us with the news of the day, the thought of the day, the question of the day. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.